Stevie. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles today to Acts chapter 9. As you're doing that, let me say a word of welcome to anybody who is worshiping um, by live stream today. It's a privilege to worship with all of you. Chapter 9 of the book of Acts, verses 1 through 6 together. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Back in the days prior to the development of the railway system in our country, if you were going to travel somewhere, then you just might be traveling on a stagecoach. Did any of y'all ever watch the westerns and, and you're picturing in your mind right now, the stagecoach pulled by the team of horses and everything. I always loved that as a kid. Uh, they took people places, of course, but they also took packages, and they also took the mail, and sometimes they took money. Uh, so because of that, they were always the target of bandits. And that's why uh, the stagecoach drivers drove just with reckless abandon. They, they were not going to just casually go, but they were going to just barrel down the highway. And uh, the stagecoach drivers, I found out, were called Jehus, J-E-H-U. And you may not know that that came straight from the Bible because there was a king of Israel named King Jehu. And in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 20, it says that King Jehu drove his chariot like a madman. So if you are ever in a vehicle with someone who's driving like a madman or a madwoman, then you can look at them and say, slow down, Jehu, you're going to get us killed. That was supposed to be funny. Some of y'all took that way too seriously. So the stagecoach drivers drove like madmen, and they also had something else that helped protect them from the bandits. They had somebody that rode shotgun, which we just used to say whoever gets to sit in the front seat is riding shotgun. Uh, but they literally had a shotgun on their lap or a rifle to protect against the bandits. One more thing that protected against the bandits was that the horses were specially trained to keep charging ahead at, at full speed unless they were given a special code word. Uh, I mean, you could pull on the reins, whatever, the horses were still going to keep going unless only the driver knew the code word. And it was not a code word like, whoa, horsey, or something like that. It was, it, did you see the movie The Night at the, Muse Night at the Museum? They had a code word, it was Dakota, that was made the horses stop, okay? But unless they heard the code word, it was full speed ahead. That's what I think about when I think of Paul. Uh, he wasn't riding in a stagecoach, but he was just just driving as, as hard as he could go, just, just going and, and on a mission, and he was going at it so fiercely it was as he were driving like a madman. And his mission, his mission was to wipe out the Christians. He wanted to get rid of them. He, he would take them and he would have them arrested and he would have them beaten and he would have them 
thrown in jail, and sometimes he would have them stoned to death like he did Stephen. And you might say, well, what's his deal? Why did he hate Christians so badly? Well, Saul was a very strict Pharisee, and, and the Pharisees thought that the kingdom of God was all about keeping a long list of strict rules. You say, what rules? The Ten Commandments? Well, yes, the Ten Commandments. But they had 613 other rules. Can you even... Can you even imagine remembering 613 different rules? Thou shalt and thou shalt not, much less keeping them all. That was what the Pharisees lived for. They thought that the kingdom of God was just about those rules. And so one of these rules, according to Deuteronomy 21, was that anyone who was hung on a tree or crucified was considered cursed by God. And yet you have this group of Christians who come and say that the very Messiah himself was hung on a tree. And then they said that Jesus, this Messiah, was the fulfillment of all of the law. And so now, no more keeping those 613 rules. And if the rules are the one thing that you think is the whole point, and someone comes along and changes that, well, that was just too much for Saul. And Saul was not the kind of guy that was just going to sit around and let that happen. He was going to do his very best to just wipe this group out because in his mind they had it all wrong. And so just picture in your mind this man who is passionate about what he's doing. He's breathing out murderous threats. He's barreling down the road on foot, determined to do his mission. He's in control, just full speed ahead. And then it's as if God calls out, the stagecoach code word, and Paul comes to a screeching halt. He's struck by a blinding light. So why in the world would God do something like this? Why would God strike Saul down on the road to Damascus? I have, have a few things in mind. I think that I think God liked Saul's passion. He just didn't like Saul's direction because Saul had a lot to offer. Saul was. Uh, born in Tarsus, a great cosmopolitan city, so he had a, a cultural advantage. His father was wealthy. He, had, he was highly educated. Uh, he was also a Roman citizen in addition to being a Pharisee. He was trained by the world-famous uh, uh, Rabbi Gamaliel. He, he knew he was fluent in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. He, he knew how to debate. He knew how to get his point across. He knew how to influence people. And on top of all of this, he was driven in a way that he could not be satisfied just watching from the sidelines. He wanted to make things happen. He wanted to fight the good fight with all of his might. He was just fighting for the wrong side. And God wanted him to, to use all of his gifts and all of his passion, but just to head God's way. So why did God strike Saul down? I think God needed Saul to listen, and maybe this was the only way he could get his attention. And you say, well, that's kind of drastic, isn't it? Couldn't he have gotten his attention some other way? Well, it is kind of drastic. But I want you to think about this. What is God going to have to do to get our attention? Because, you know, we live in a society that is just in a whirlwind of activity and frantic activity. It's almost like we're afraid to slow down because we're afraid somebody might look at us and say, well, they're not being productive. We live in a society that, that where people are suffering from destination addiction. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. 
it is it is where a person thinks that success or happiness or or, or, or peace of mind is going to come at the next destination. They can't enjoy the journey because they're thinking about the next project or, or the next job or, or the next class or the next vacation. Only to find out that when they get to that one, the peace that they wanted eludes them because they're thinking about the very next one. We live in a society where people are bombarded with constant input. Bombarded with a screen in front of their face of some kind all the time, earbuds in, constant noise, constant input, input, input. No quiet time, no space, no margin. No wonder we can't hear God. So I want you to take a moment right now. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head and just be quiet for a moment. Will you do that? Just, just close your eyes, bow your head. Because, you know, sometimes we treat our time in worship like it's a destination, too. Something to check off the to-do list. And we don't give ourselves any space. Is God whispering the stop and listen code word in your spirit right now? authors, Anne Lamott, says this, almost everything will work again if you unplug it, including you. So why did God strike Saul down on the road to Damascus? I think Saul needed to be converted. He needed a new direction. We've already said that. He was headed in a way that was away from God, and he didn't even know it. He was going to be converted. He was going to be converted from Christianity's arch enemy to Christianity's main advocate. Saul needed a new way of seeing, which is really what conversion is. It's like putting on a pair of glasses and being able to see in a whole different way. So the people that Saul once saw as his enemies were now going to be his friends. The people that he once hated were going to be people that he loved. He needed to be converted. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, Truly I tell you, unless you will be converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We need to be converted too. Saul was converted and became uh, like a child. He couldn't see. He had to be led by the hand. And Jesus told him, he said, go on into the city and when you get there, you'll be told what to do. Just like you would tell a child. A child saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? We'll let you know. We'll let you know when you get there. We need to be converted too. We may not have a Damascus Road blinding light type of experience. For us, it might be that we were raised in church and we said yes to Jesus at an early age and we've always experienced the, the presence of Christ. But conversion is a lifelong experience. There's always something that God is working on in our lives. He's always redirecting us, always giving us new eyes to see, always asking us to clean out our ears so we can and our part in this could be summed up in a single word, surrender. Maybe, you know, maybe that's God's stagecoach code word for us, surrender. Surrender. That's why we pause and come to the altar. That's, we come to 
surrender ourselves to a new way of hearing, to a new way of seeing, to <coughs> surrender our hearts to a new way of forgiving and loving. We surrender our resources through the offerings to, to give them to be used in the kingdom of God. We surrender all of it to the one who gave it all.